episode 179 jeremy ronick joining us actually actually when when, you know you know wednesday is the perfect day to do a podcast because there's a lot happening in the beginning of the week there's a lot going on in the end of the week but there's so much to bitch about on wednesday because it's hump day right it's like fucking groundhog day around here in buffalo it's like watching a it's like watching bill murray (laughs) groundhog day (laughs) Just wake up in the morning, you hit your fucking alarm clock, and you're like, you have the same song that's playing, same song and dance. It's tough, man. It it's it's tough. That, to was watch. That, is that is that is that six in a row now for, for Buffalo? Lost six in a row. Is that six what it is? Six in a row. Six in a row. Wow. Damn near pretty, we've had we've had some pretty big streaks of losses in this so far this year. We have what Pittsburgh with seven in a row. You have Calgary with eight and six in a row. Now you have Buffalo at six in a row. It's got to be a couple others that have been up there. I'll tell you what, this is like the the start of the year of losing streaks. It's been pretty pretty crazy. But Buffalo Buffalo can't afford it. They they start the year so well. They go on a great West Coast swing, and all of a sudden they come home and think that their fucking shit don't stink, and they 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 let their guard down and. Right Everybody can catch somebody off guard at the start of the year. Okay. That's not uncommon. It goes back to what we talked about last week. Let me ask you a question. If you're, if you're a team coming into Buffalo, right. And stepping onto that ice or not even just stepping onto the ice, you're looking at the roster on the board. Cause you know, the teams are on the board before the game. If you're a player, who, who the fuck are you nervous about? Like who? Like well, let's I just have some look, fun, I, Jr. Let's have I some fun. Look you're the, you're looking I, at the I lineup. Used, I used to look at that board, and I was kind of I would go over. Okay, I'm probably going to be playing against this guy. I'm probably going to be playing against this guy. Oh Jesus Christ! I, it's I, it's going to be a long night because I know this guy is going to be chopping at my ankles and calling me all these names. They're going to be in my face every single time I'm on the ice, and I knew it. And then there were some times where I went in and there was nobody. Like there was nobody, and I'm like. Point night, time for some cookies, right? Let me ask you something. I'm going to name a few players, just a couple. Okay. Again, and you tell this me this is three you, days in a row. We're doing this. The roster's not changing. I'm just going to ask a simple question. Which player is the hardest one to play against? Okay. You've watched them. You watch them. You know them. Mm-hmm. You tell me which one is, the, I'll just give you a couple. Lawrence Pilot, Henry Yoki Haru, Riley Sheehan, Peyton Krebs, Jack Quinn, Vinny Hinestroza, Jacob Bryson, Rasmus Asplund, JJ Paterka, Casey Middlestad, Victor Olison, Jeff Skinner. Do I need to go on? Can you pick one guy that yeah. you think is the hardest player to play against? No, I mean, I could, I could, I mean, I, I could, I could name a couple that should have the attitude and have the, the, the ability to play a, a, a in your face, nasty, pain in the ass type of game, but they, they choose not to do it. Um, and, 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 you know, and you know what, it's, it's, it's almost like, it's almost like losing sometimes becomes acceptable. And I guess sometimes I guess that's and listen, we didn't play 
a lot in this generation of huge contracts where everybody's making a lot of money and, you know, they have the most unbelievable locker rooms where you go in and they have chefs making breakfast and, you know, it's like the most unbelievable posh locker rooms that you that you're hanging out in. Hey, let's go. Let's go in the hot tub, boys. Come on. Let's go in the sauna. Let's go. A lot of us didn't have those. Right. So I wonder, do guys even really care if they if they lose on a nightly basis? Like we I was afraid, I was scared to death. I was so mad because I, I was more scared to death of what was going to happen to us the next day in practice. I cannot believe you're saying this right now. Did you ever play with any players that scored 30 plus goals a year and made the most money on the team? And it seemed like they just didn't give a shit. Have you ever played with a guy like that? Because I feel yeah. like that's Jeff Skinner to me. I feel like I yeah. feel like that is Jeff Skinner to me. And he can never question me because I went out and did the fucking hardest job in the game for the lowest amount of money. So yeah. I'm asking him. I don't think he gives a shit. His smile and his oh, Emily in Paris show. I love my show, Emily in Paris on Netflix. Emily in Paris. That's, Emily in Paris. That's his favorite that fucking show. That's his favorite show, apparently. Loves Emily in Paris. That, he said it last year in one, one of the content sessions. I hear it's just... It's very teenage. Heard it's terrible, but anyway, my point is, I just don't think he gives a shit. I really don't. You know, on the on, on the fifteenth and thirty, on the fifteenth and thirtieth, I'll tell you what, those guys are fucking really fucking happy, and it doesn't matter if they won the night before. Like today is what? Today is the sixteenth. Is today the sixteenth? It is. All right. Guess I'll just ask you. Guess guess what they got yesterday on their on their um. In their stall, their stall seats. Little Direct checks, deposit, little, baby. Direct yeah, deposit. Yeah. yeah, they saw it. It's it's a happy day for them. Day off. Got my check. Jr. Where where are we at with this uh, with this hockey team? It, it, explain to me, and and I know that you've actually started to watch uh, the Sabers a little bit more as of late, you know. And um, explain to me what's going on here, you know, because again. You know, you go on to your NHL.com and you scroll down to the entire league and you're looking at teams that at the top of the, the standings may be a little bit surprising. You have the New Jersey Devils, okay? Right now, the New Jersey Devils are sitting with 26 points. They've only lost three games this year. They're playing exceptionally well. The Islanders, who were the worst team of all time last year and just completely derailed, are now sitting fourth in the National Hockey League. Um, you know, teams are teams are continuing to to get better. Okay. Seattle well, Kraken. Are- Seattle Kraken, okay, an expansion team is now, you know. 19 points they're 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 continuing to get better and it's bro, the constant bro, is at bro, the bottom listen to me and and i know i bash on them a lot but look at the arizona coyotes and what they've been able to do over the last month like they are i, I know they're they're almost 500 if they're not they're very close right. they're, they're six eight and one in 15 games they're 433 win percentage okay this is this is a team that i i would i would i was i would have bet <clears throat> would win 15 games all year and look at them, but they compete. They play defensive. They, they battle. I mean, 
And it comes down to, again, it comes down to your determination and your commitment to a, a type of game and being hard to play against. And we went through the we went through the Coyotes roster and the size of some of these guys with you know and you got you got Richie there you got some guys that are going to demand team to play strong and somebody who's going to step up and punch in the face they get um, they they're consistent with their game every game now whether they win every game they don't have enough is, skill to win games they don't but guess what they have enough grit and care. And an ability to play a game that's a, that's tough to play against, and sometimes they push the impatient teams out of a game and w- end up winning. Uh, San Jose is doing that a little bit more lately too. They're on a three-game win streak right now. They just went in and and just took care of uh, Vegas Golden Knights five-two in in Vegas, the number one team in the league. Yep. It it comes down to are you committed. I mean, yes, once the coach has to put through a, a system that's going to work for the roster that you have, okay? So I don't know whether whether Granado's system is is not conducive to the to the type of players that are on his roster. But you have to you have to compete and be hard to play against if you're not a top end team in this league. You got to scratch, you got to claw, you got to bite, you got to hit. You got to play defensive. You got to be tenacious, and it has to be every single night. If not, you're going to lose hockey games. And I think Buffalo got uh, got cocky. I think they got ahead of themselves. I think they thought they were great when they're winning their, all these games. Now they they take their foot off the gas. As did everybody else, right though. They played well, Jr. At the start of the the season, this team oh, was team absolutely goes- flying. Every team goes through it, though, Riz, but not not as many teams have the are on the edge of losing a lot of fans and and again having fans um, give up on them in the course of a year. Now, I'm not saying the Buffalo fans are are going to give up on them, but the frustration is going to come in, and then when the fans show the frustration, that's going to feed over into the mentality of the team, and you don't you just you just don't want. Buffalo can't afford that after the years they've been having. You can't you can't dangle a carrot in front of Buffalo Sabres fans. Say, okay, we have a team that can compete this year. We are going to compete. We're going to win, and then disappear. How for long does six, it seven games? How long does it take for a general manager to know what he has in a player, a young player? It's, it's I think it's a couple of years, a year, a year and a half. <clears throat> I think at least one full season to see how he reacts in a full season. So do when you he goes think, ups and downs? Ups do you and think downs. with Kevin Adams and the Buffalo Sabres having so many of the same types of players on the team that that might cloud the 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 view a little bit because you have so many of the same types of players. One night a guy might be bad, the next night a guy might be good. Whereas like you don't have like a cut and dry type. Well, let's of ask, let's go let's go to a different question. What what NHL team has won a Stanley Cup that has had all the same type of players on it over the last ten years? Zero. Zero. Well, I what can't team think has made, one. A, made the playoffs? Let's take. Let, we want to take stuff further. Has any team ever made the playoffs with just that type of team? Maybe. maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. Okay. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe that's more of a loaded Toronto. Question. Toronto. Uh, Toronto. Uh, great call. 
I think Toronto at one point had a, a lot of the same type of players. Um, they might still have a lot of the same type of players. We, 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 we've talked about this before and it just, it comes down to, and we're not even, we're not even in the doldrums of, of the season yet. You know, the, the, the doldrum days, doldrum days happen right after Christmas, right? The first, that first, that first week of January and all that stuff. All right I mean, through to March. Yeah. It's just awful. After Christmas, everybody gets excited for the Christmas vacation and everybody comes back from the Christmas vacation. And those games, 45 through 65, are just awful. And if these teams can't get excited right now around the holiday season and, you know, getting ready for that that, that first end push, man, imagine what's going to happen come, come January. A great game tonight, though. The Sabres are in Ottawa tonight. And that is a that's a good matchup because Ottawa was a team that we thought was uh, supposed to be much improved. They're down just below the Sabers. The Sabers are on a on a shit streak right now. I think tonight's Ottawa Sabers game is going to be a great game to watch because you get to it's see be the hardest game to bet. It's going to be the hardest game to bet. Who the fuck do you bet on in a game like that? The over. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's. it's you say that, and then next thing you know, they all decide that they want to play defense because they're all afraid of losing to the other shit team. So they they lock down defensively, or the goaltender has a stellar night. And you they know, don't know how to lock down. Know, Jr. The Sabers don't know how to lock down. Go look at the goals last night. They're gonna they're gonna give up three at least. I mean, they're coming off they're coming off another shit shit loss. I mean, listen, they lost last week to the Bruins. They lost last week to Vegas. Okay, that's, you know, that's not so bad. But then they come in. They should have beat Vancouver last night. Vancouver's playing better hockey right now. They're not where they need to be. Like, the Sabres are where the Sabres are. They they are, they're youthful, okay? Um, they had some injury um, situations on defense that are, that are clearly affecting the team. Um, they have young players that are trying to find their game, trying to. They have middle-aged players that, you know, there's certain players on this team that are super, super easy to play against. Like, what did we expect? What did we expect out of the Vegas Golden Knights who were who had won seven, what was it, seven or eight games in a row that were just torching top teams all over the place? Did we think that the Buffalo Sabres we're going to turn around and spank the Vegas Golden Knights? No. Um, you <clears throat> could happen in this game. A little, little bit of grit, a little bit of grit, a little bit of tenacity. How about, um, you know, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, uh, give a shit. Yeah. Well, give a shit level is, is definitely there. But, you know, to play desperate. Desperation hockey sometimes is the hardest hockey to play against. I see teams. I see teams playing desperation hockey already in November. I already. I already talked about Arizona. They play desperate hockey every night. San Jose. They play desperate hockey every night because you know what? They know that that they're underdogs every single night they go into a hockey game. How about every the New Jersey night? Devils this year? I mean, did, any, did anybody did anybody even think that they would be in a top three division spot at this point in the season, let alone number one in the in the conference or at least in their division? They're close to the conference. Well, they got go down their roster, and they have some 
tenacious forwards that can play. I don't know who this team is. You know, we watch them. Go down, the, no, go down there. Go down the roster. I can tell you who I can tell you who they are right now. You have Lindy Ruff that has these players playing the proper way. And and what I mean by that is this. You have the New Jersey Devils that have played 16 games this year. So has the the Buffalo Sabres. And in those 16 games, the New Jersey Devils have scored 60 goals. Do you want to know how many goals the Sabres have scored? 59. Okay. Identical. Here's the difference. Lindy Ruff has all of the top players, all of the top players playing defense. Okay. They have bought in to playing defense first hockey and they play awesome defense, which translates into offense. Here's the thing. They have 39 goals against 39 in 16 games. Buffalo Sabres 57. That's 18 goals difference there's your difference between a team that is all bought into defensive hockey okay this is a defense first hockey team that is loaded with high-end skilled talented hockey players yeah we're not gonna go and say that that new jersey has marty berdur in that either (laughs) i mean who the hell do they have on defense like who like it's not like new jersey devils is a hockey team that you're sitting there saying, I, I'm, I'm just, wow. They're so loaded. No, they're not loaded. Go, go through there, go through there, go through their forwards for me, Rev. Jasper right Bratt is it, leading it. the team okay. with 21 points. By the way, Jasper Bratt is a, is a gritty hockey player. You watch him play kids gritty. I mean, he's got okay. talent, but he, he, he plays hard. Go ahead. But you just said he's gritty. What do you mean by that? That means he's tenacious on the puck. He's hard to play. Because he's five ten, one hundred and seventy five pounds, which is not a big yep. guy. Nope, but he's tenacious. You ever there watch you him go. Play? There he's you tenacious. go. Tenacious. Go. Uh, you have. Uh, sorry about that. Uh, you have uh, Jack Hughes. Eighteen points, sixteen games. You have Nico Heischer, seventeen points, fifteen games. All these guys plus ten, plus five, plus thirteen. Dougie Hamilton is the fourth in scoring. Then it like I mean it drops off. Thomas Tatar is 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 uh, fifth in scoring on the New Jersey Devils. He has a he has eleven points, three goals. Miles Wood, nine points, sixteen games. Dawson, okay, but, that, the, but those but those middle those middle <laughs> players, okay. Those middle players that that you're about ready to name right now, okay are frustrating miles woods miles wood is a, is will is a frustrating person to play against because he plays on every he plays in every zone and plays hard and, and you're, i think you're dead on right in, in your analysis of of new jersey that they play a, a 200 foot game but they concentrate on their their side first and then i think lindy says when you guys have the puck go yep. get after it get on your horse well, what, what he's doing? what he's doing is he's he's not smothering the offensive talents of these young players. Dawson Mercier, who is an uh, an 18th overall pick in 2020, is now playing in the NHL. He's 20 years old. Okay, he, he go out, use your offensive talents in the offensive zone. I'm not going to tell you what to do. 
because the reason why you're drafting in the first round is because you have offensive abilities. But the thing is, when you're in the defensive zone, there is going to be structure to a T. And every one of those highly skilled players plays team first hockey, structure in the defensive zone, and then let the offense take care of itself. Right. By the way, this is this is the same thing that we've talked about. Why the Toronto Maple Leafs don't win in the playoffs because of this this that exact same mentality that New Jersey has bought into. And you know what? You have to. I, I think that's. Even even the 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 Tampa Bay Tampa Bay Lightning have been a, a great team because they have great players, but Stamkos is is one of those guys that's one of the best defensive players too on that team, right? It's it, it is so true in this day and age. You can't be one dimensional team and fucking win hockey games. You can't. I don't care what your lineup looks like. It's great. Just, it's a great analysis. It's great assessment, man. I think, I think it all goes back to, again, it all goes back to comfort. It all goes back to, you know, the type of, the type of players you draft and the type of players that you're, that you're building. I mean, do you guys think that you can create a, a, a young player that plays a certain way and, and teach him early to play a different style? Because that happened with me when I was 18 years old, or is that harder to do these days because, because of the amount of money that they make? I don't know. I'm asking you the question. But doesn't everything we're talking about come down to coaching? Like we want to put it, it on the does. players. It, and- listen, it does. I mean, but are the coaches not saying it or is the, is the message not resonating? I will tell you, and we've talked about this before. It is a different breed of player these days. It is a different mentality. It's that Gen Z um, uh, or the uh, the millennial mentality that it's like, uh, don't don't yell at me. You don't like me. Oh, do me, he doesn't like me. Do me a favor. Speak to these people for me because I don't know. I don't know if if I'm if I can get to this level. There are there are people that watch hockey, and there are people in <clears> hockey <throat> that actually believe it is a philo- a new hockey philosophy that I'm hearing. It's almost less effective to finish your check because you're wasting your own energy where if the, you know, where like the defenseman makes that play and in a split second, you can finish that check, but they're almost coaches are telling their players to almost, and Rivs is laughing to, to turn away from the check and get back in the play. Don't take yourself out of the play with a hit. That's, that is that's universal opposite than I was taught. When I told you that I was, well, the I game's was, changed, though. That's the next thing. Well, the game isn't like that anymore, Jr. Well, I made. You know how many old. hits I'm, the Sabers had last night in their game? Sixty minutes. You know how many hits they had, Jr. What? Yes. How many? How many hits happen usually in how a game? Hits is low, Jr. Listen, I mean, we got. We have 30, 30, I'd say twenty-five or thirty hits would be low. Would be low. <laughs> okay. okay, Jr. Listen, 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 Jr. Oh, wrong planet. Listen, JR. How many hits do you think the Sabres had last night? If, if it's under 10, I'm going to fucking embarrass you. Oh, it's under fucking 10, JR. It's no under 10, way. bud. No way. You can cut that in half. Five hits. No. Five As a team? As, as a, a team. team. Holy soft. Holy. 
I would fucking love playing in that game. Are you kidding me? Not one player is, is afraid of playing Buffalo if not going to get hit. What You can go on there and play with fucking – Play with no equipment and be okay coming out of there. And I'm gonna tell you, this is Let me, we're gonna here are the guys that had the hits. JJ Paterka, Jeff Skinner had one. Rasmus Donnelly. No, he just ran into somebody. He just <laughs> ran into somebody by accident. Uh, Dylan Cousins, okay, and uh, that should be like four. And uh, Henry Yoki, how are you? What a joke! What a joke! What a fucking joke! What a soft team. Five hits, they ought to be embarrassed. I, if I was, if now if I was Granado, I would just leave the pucks out and I would just have people fucking skate around and just, just hit each other. Let's just see how. So you guys know what it's like for body Listen, contact. I'll, so anyway, I'll just, me, I'll just step in here just quickly. God damn it! I just, I'll just step in here quickly. The Sabers are a very good hockey team. They're very skilled. They have, they have some players on this team that are very very skilled they're all the same i keep saying this over and over and over again and until it changes and kevin adams and his staff finally figure out who they want to keep and move forward with we're going to be watching the same thing you know who i you know who i feel sorry for right now i feel sorry for don granado I really do. Petey and I differ a little bit on this kind of stuff. I I, I think Don Granato is trying to um, coach these guys and and continue to build confidence and having them not get into a dark place. Instead of going upstairs to Kevin Adams and saying, "Can you please get me some different fucking players?" Okay. Yes, well, I know that we have an injury. Yes, I know we have an injury. But why the why are we bringing up? Riley Sheehan. I said to I said to Peter this morning. I said to Peter this morning. I'm like, we're bringing up Riley Sheehan. Happy Riley Sheehan, who just wanted to re-sign with Buffalo because he loves the environment here. And I'm looking up Riley Sheehan, and I'm like, why? Why is that the guy that we're bringing up? And I said to I said to I said to um, uh, Petey, I'm like, do you know the highest? penalty minute totals of Riley Sheehan since he came into the league in 2011. I want to know what it is, JR. I want you to guess since he's come into the league in 2011, 2011, JR. 18, 18. JR, he's not a fighter. He's not a fighter. He's not a tough guy. Just give me yeah. a, like, it's, it's less than 18 penalty minutes. So in a season, a JR. This is this selkie. is in an eighty. This is in an eighty eighty two game season. Riley Sheehan's highest penalty minute total is sixteen. Do you know how many fucking games where I had more than sixteen penalty minutes in one game? Yeah, yeah. Sticking yep. up for my teammates, getting into getting into shit because I knew that I needed to protect my teammates, the stars, the skilled guys, because I want them to feel comfortable so they can go yep. out and actually do their job. So I yep. went and distracted other players on the other team to bring the attention to me so I would have my ass kicked and got the shit kicked out of me. Well, For my teammates, them, so the no, stars well, can did, actually you play them, the you game. Had them looking over, you had them looking over their shoulder and second-guessing what they were going to do. You're 100%. And right. this is the guy we, but, this is the guy we bring listen, up. So last night, so last night, Right, you have a guy like Pedersen, Horvat, J.T. Miller, 
you even go down with uh, Grant um, um, Garland. I mean, even though he's not a big guy, he's talented. If you don't hit these players, just think of they will just dismantle you, right? And and that's again, it, you're you're hit, you're hitting it right on the head. The fact that they had five hits is more embarrassing than they've just lost their sixth game in a row. It, it's it's so embarrassing. It's unbelievable. And we go back to what you what PD to what you said is that mentality of not finishing your check. I'm playing in Kalamazoo in an in my first season preseason playing Minnesota in Kalamazoo. This is my second pro game ever. And I kept and in high school I never hit anybody. I was just an offensive guy, right? We don't hit in high school and and it was just not the mentality. I kept swinging by my check, swinging by my check. So by the second period, I swung by a check. Mike Keenan comes running down the bench, grabs me by my neck right here, squeezes me so hard I can barely breathe, bends me back over the bench and starts screaming in my face to a point where spit is going on to my face. And he's like, you ever fucking swing by another fucking check? You'll never play a fucking game for me as long as I fucking coach in here. And I like had to hold back tears and fear. All right. So the next thing I do, 150 pounds, bang, hit every check, hit every check, hit every check, finish checks, finish checks. And it became part of my game. But I was taught through fear of not having my job of being physical. These players do not fear not having their job because of the amount of money that they make. There's no fear in having to play a certain way. But no, you don't swing past a check because that guy could jump back into the play and be the guy that hurts you on the other side, eliminate him, then get your ass back. I mean, that mentality, PD, of what you just said of not finishing your check is a fucking cop-out bullshit mentality to have, period. I don't care. I don't care what part of the game. And it, and it's not even about, it's, it's like everything should be it's obliged important, to do it. It's an important part of the game, Riv. It's not even just a part of the game. It's an important part of the game because, A, what it does is it it, it puts a, menta- a thought process into the defenseman's head that when he's going to go back, he's going to get fucking hit. If he knows he's not going to get hit, you know what he's going to do? He's going to go get the puck and he's going to make a good play. And it makes it harder to play against because you're going to tire somebody out. You're going to have a, a, an edge mentally on somebody. And then what it does, it also boosts you up as a player. Man, when I hit somebody hard, I just loved it. I just, I got excited. My adrenaline, well, I played better. There's so many good positive things that come out of finishing your check in a hockey game. And when you don't do it, you fucking get beat. I'm telling you, you just, you're easy to play against. It's so, and again, we're going to go back. It's that it's, that's the times that we live in. Well, don't touch me. Pajama boys. Fucking joke. I think it's it's a real I think it's a real thing. And I, I'm I'm not I don't believe that every team does that. But I do no. think I do think there are teams that have that philosophy, and I think the Buffalo Sabres are one of them. I re, I really there, do. there are teams and there are players. But by the way, there are players in the game that do have the old fashioned mentality hockey hockey sense and play the game. There are guys in the league that play that way. You know, the Marchands, the Kachuks, you know, these guys that play that game with grit and tenacity, the, you know, the McKinnons, you know, know. they, guess, they play the game the right way. My, my thought to you, um, I'll ask you, JR, Petey, like for me, when I look at this and, and, and there's, 
there's there's a core of players on this team that are just fantastic. There's a lot of very, very good players on this hockey team. They are underachieving in the biggest of way. But can that be changed somewhat, a little bit by just maybe moving a player or two? And, you know, for me, like I think Victor Olsen is, is a great hockey player. I've said this before. He's very talented. He skates very well. He can make really nice hockey plays. He's got one of the world-class shots in the league. He can score goals. At what point in time do you sit there and say, I need to move this player for another player that is going to help our team, maybe not score more goals by himself, but maybe it's going to add to our team because we might be a little bit tougher to play against a little bit heavier. Like Victor Olson is a perimeter player. He doesn't go in the corners. He doesn't go near the front of the net. He's literally a power play specialist. One timer on, on, on the one side. That's it. He has, he has one assist in 16 games, one assist. Okay. He's playing with good players. It's not like he's not playing with good players. It's not like he's not on the power play. Was he the one last year that had like all the power play goals too last year? I think that was that, that was, that was two years ago. The two years ago that he was like you know, the power play specialist. Again, man. like last year, JR, there was uh, 29 games or something like that that he didn't have a goal. 29 games. And then the second half of the season, when it didn't mean anything, the team was out. He went on fire. Okay. Like he went yeah. on fire. Can't have that. Yeah. Right. That, that's not, that's, yeah, that's that's a tradable person. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. It's it, again, it, it's going to come. Going to come down to Ke- Adams. Kevin Adams has to do something. Has to, he has to do something? Now, I didn't do anything in the off season, and he has to do something before this team derails itself. Six games, they can still they can still make a run, but you can't. We're you sixteen can't. games in. We're sixteen games into the season. Mm-hmm. The season hasn't even started. We're not even at a. We're not even at a quarter mark. So, so, so then, so is it time to panic? No, there's no time to panic. There should never be panic. There's far too much skill and talent on this team to panic. But I'm going to tell you this: I believe that Kevin Adams, who has watched these players for for a solid period of time. He knows exactly what he has in Jack Quinn. I'm sure he watched this kid play all his games in the minors last year. I'm sure he knows JJ Paterka to, uh, you know, he, he knows all about these players and those are your future. Jack Quinn, JJ Paterka's you've got an incredible player in, in Tage Thompson, who has really matured into a top player in the league. Okay. But there has to be a point in time when you start to think about altering your lineup just a little bit. Okay. Just a little bit. Yeah, and yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. Well, <laughs> well, it's getting close. I'm it's getting close. I mean, you, again, you don't want to, you don't want to go into Christmas and the holiday season on a, on a 10 game losing streak and expect to come out of it in the doldrums of the national hockey league. It's, mm-hmm. it's just, it's hard. Let me tell you where I'm at. That. There's. Does it not seem like there are no storylines anymore? Like I know. I was. It was funny you said that. Yeah, you know. We know it came up that we talked about also, which Riv made a great point of, is the fact that Eric Carlson is having the year that he's having, and it's perfect for Mike Greer to get rid of him now. And you should see uh, in in on NHL on the NHL app. There's a 
big article. Sharks will entertain talks to trade Carlson. And I thought of Rim right away. I'm like, boom, that's what you call. That's what you with, call. With Mike game. Greer and what he, you know, a shining light is on Mike Greer right now because the one player that they need to get rid of is Eric Carlson and is $11.5 million. Yeah. And it it has nothing to do with... San Jose is going to struggle because they don't have a great hockey team. Okay. They need to build through the draft and they need to acquire picks. They're, they're not going to be a very highly ranked team this year. They'll probably be picking in the top five or, or top seven or eight. Okay. So you'll get a pretty good hockey player, but they need to get rid of salary. Okay. They need to get rid of salary. They need to acquire tons of draft picks and tons of, um, you know, young players moving forward in, in San Jose. And this is the right time. Like, I mean, you can't move his contract before the season, but now that he has what 10 goals, 11 goals, whatever he has right now, I mean, it's 24 points and he's a, and he's a great defenseman, but he's also one hit away from not playing the game anymore. I don't see anybody he, trading for him. I just don't. <laughs> Offensively, awesome. I just don't think I don't think teams trust him, do they? Would they trust him on the ice as much as they need to put him on the ice to be Eric Carlson late in the season or in the playoffs? Is he good in his own end? I don't ever remember him being like ever anyone ever saying that he's a No, he's not. He's no, not. He's, he's very not he's, good he's very, uh, defensively. Very, no, he takes so many chances, it's crazy. Yeah. Um Lack well, the baseball. last five years that he's played, he's he only plays fifty mid fifties. He's been hurt so much in the last number of years that. Well, I mean, he's um, so frail. He's so frail. You see, and he plays so many minutes. You could you can't play a body like that, and the type of and the type of minutes that he plays and not not get hurt. I mean, yeah. he's a dynamite player. But I, I agree with you, PD. I don't think there's many many teams that could get him. I mean, do do you? For what they'd have Toronto to give Maple up Leaf? and then take is, on. Is Toronto, it's a Toronto Maple Leaf team. Is it that team that can that can give up a couple guys and just make a try, try to make some sort of run for a, for a playoff win? I don't know. Probably not. They have a big salary, but I don't know, see I don't know. any general I, I, manager ever taking a, a swing on that ever because there's four more years of it, and it, even if it's half the salary. Fuck that. Well, it's yeah. not going to be half. Like you're going to have to like a team that acquires uh, Eric Carlson will have to pay at least $8 million a year for him. The, the San Jose Sharks will have to take the other three and a half. No, okay? they'll take, they'll want 50%. That's the max no. you can do. What do you mean max that you can do? The max that the team can pick up if you trade them is 50%. Okay. So I'm saying that there's going to be no team out there that is like... I think I think you know with a with a defenseman in the league that has 10 goals and 24 points in 18 games I think you're looking at a world class offensive defenseman. You're going to have to pay for him. Number 1, you're going to get a world class defenseman. You'll probably have to pay 8 million dollars for him. The team San Jose will take the other three and a half off the books. But you're going to have to pay a first rounder, you're going to have to pay an elite prospect. You're going to have to have another roster player how, to how old, get to is, get how, him. How old is, how yeah, old is oh, yeah. Absolutely. Fuck that. Greer's he just wants to get rid of him. He wants to part ways with him, and he might have to give something yeah, with Eric Carlson. 
Are you kidding me? I, I this is, no, wrong way, Riff. No. Wrong no, way. I don't think so. Oh, I don't think this is a, a trade be, that a team's going to make, a hockey trade. I think it's Mike Greer trying to completely fucking unload this dead weight for free and give something with it. A first-round pick, not this year, but next year or something. They'll have to give something like back of the expansion draft type, type stuff. There's no question, Mike Greer, if he had the opportunity to get rid of that salary, to free up some money to go out and get somebody else or at least sign somebody different, a different mentality and a different position, he'll do it and he'll take the hit. But I think that salary is killing the San Jose Sharks. 100%. Without question. And, and, and by the way, that he is playing great. And, and, and Riv, you're dead on right. The best thing that could be happening for, for Mike Greer is Eric Carlson playing the way that he is right now. But you know what? It's not going to last. It's just, it's not going to last. I don't think it will. How old is Eric Carlson now? 30, He's 32. 32. And, and by the way, that's an age that, hey, he still, he could still play three good years. You're right. He can, but three. Have you ever seen, have you ever He's seen got Eric this Carlson? year and four more at 11 and a half million I get dollars? It, which, I get it, which means if you're going to take somebody like this, you, you probably can get some good years and productive years from Eric Carlson which would entice a team maybe to take that chance, especially when they have some, not only just cap room, but they have, they have Stanley cup aspirations, which everybody does, but there's only a few teams really that really, really have a chance to win. But how much is, how much is Cole Caulfield going to sign for? He has played 16 games. He has nine goals, seven assists. So is Cole Caulfield, is, is, is Montreal sold on Cole Caulfield right now? Because they did send him down last year. Is, is he, has he established himself oh, now? Oh yeah. He's, they yeah. are, they are loving him right now. So him and Suzuki have done pretty good job in, in, in Montreal. Those, those two playing well. So those are the two guys you got to build around. Is that what you're saying? That's what, that's what they're saying. Yeah. You have, um, Cole Caulfield, um, you have the captain of the team, just recently named this year in uh, Nick Suzuki, who just signed an eight-year contract extension for $63 million. That's $7.875 million a year. Is, is, are the Montreal Canadiens going to stand strong and say that this is our cap ceiling? We don't want anybody over making over this. Or do they think that Cole Caulfield and his point statistics totals are going to exceed the Suzuki contract. Um, I think that I think that you could probably see a long-term contract anywhere between eight and eight and a half for Cole Caulfield on an eight-year deal. Um, and I don't think you'll be regretting it anytime soon. He's a goal scorer in his rookie in his rookie uh, season. He scored twenty-three goals, had forty-three points, and this year he's you know he's uh, he's playing very well again. They you need know, I, they need Suzuki to outscore Caulfield, and that'll keep his price down. No, because Suzuki's played in the league for a couple more years than Cole Caulfield. Cole Caulfield, in his first year in the league, had 23 goals, 43 points, and 67 games. Didn't even play a full season. He would have he would have scored 30 goals. Cole Caulfield this year has nine goals already in 16 games. He's going to score 35 this year, and if he does score 35, he'll be making nine million dollars. Well, Suzuki is 10. Ten goals. Suzuki's so, older than him. I don't know if that matters. Does that matter, Jr.? It does matter. What did Suzuki do to to require eight million? What was the seasons before? Uh, 
not not something that you're going to be sitting there going, wow, this guy definitely deserves that much money. Last year, he had his best year in the league. Okay, so this is Suzuki's only it's only his um, fourth year. And his first three seasons were. 41 points, 41 points, 61 points, and now he has 19 points. So Suzuki is a 60 point player, so, a 20, so again, 25 so, so goal got, guy. So he's one of those he's one of those players that got paid on on future, on on potential. On potential. Right? right now he's he's at a great start. He's has 10 goals, 19 points in 16 games. So he's on pace well, for like a 90-point season and he's on pace for like 35 goals. So that's a good that's a good point by saying, listen, they're, they're making him the barometer. Right? That's our that's our captain. That's our high scorer. If you make more than him or score more than him, which I think I think Caulfield will score more goals than Suzuki this year. Caulfield's a goal scorer. I mean, mm-hmm. he's he's still a young guy. He's only 21 years old. You have to remember this. He's 21 years old. Um, and he's going to score a ton of goals. I think, I, like I said, yeah. you, you go and look at all the younger players that have just recently signed deals. You have Thomas in, San, in, uh, in St. Louis and Cairo, both signed for about $8 million a year. You have the young player, or two young players in Ottawa, one Tim Stitzel, who got 8.35, and the other one was Norris, who got 7.9. So these guys are all the point totals and what they've done are in that range of an $8 million uh, range. I think Cole Caulfield and what he's doing and what he's done is going to put him in that $8 million Plus dollar plus. range, depending on the goals plus. that he ends up with this year. Plus, because if yes. he scores thirty-five goals this year, he'll probably be um, anywhere from an eight to an eight and a half million dollar guy. I am going to pick a random teammate of yours from over the years, and I want you to just tell me a quick story about him. Okay, mm-hmm. Yurke Lume. <laughs> Uh, used to use him in Sega back when I played with the Vancouver Canucks. L- Lume. Yeah. Love, Lidster. love Lume. I love Yurke Lume. Um, I heard he liked to have a good time. Oh, he loved, he loved his beers. He loved, he loved. And by the way, I don't know if I met a, 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 a Finn that I didn't love, that I didn't like. Um, they're just such unbelievable people and great hockey players. But Yurke Lume was a, was the one of the ugliest best defensemen that I played with. Like he wasn't he he wasn't flashy. He's he was brilliant, smart, but he was always that one that guy he would come into the locker room, "Hey guys, how you doing? Hey, good morning." You know, it's always that that was him in the morning. Hey, and he had a smile on no matter what the type of day, no matter what the day was. He had a smile and he just loved to play the game. But he didn't do anything, anything spectacular. He just did everything really good, like a really smart, good, great on the power play. But um, it's a guy that you want, uh, you want next to you all the time because he's going to say something that's going to make you laugh. He's going to keep you in a good mood. He's a great teammate because he's always up to doing something. You know, the, the type of person you want to be around. Uh, I love Yurke Lume, but 
I mean, if you ran into Dirke Lume in a dark alley, you wouldn't be nervous. That's for sure. I mean, I, I met him. He was out at, uh, do you remember the Brad May thing we did out in Arizona back during the lockout? Yeah. That's when I met him. And I was just scrolling just through here. He's a great guy, right? Just such yeah. a great guy. Yeah, he was, yeah that, he was that's great. actually that's actually that's actually a really good segment that you just probably could have just brought up, and you could do it to to all of us, right? All right, I'm gonna do a random teammate tell me a story about him. That's yeah. actually a good segment. I will I that's will do that. For now on, I'll pick one. I'll pick one for Riz. You guys both play with a lot of guys. I mean, holy shit! You go oh through God. and you like I, I'll throw a name at Riv Sometimes you'd be like, I think I played with him, <laughs> and like he will have played like. A season and a half with the guy. I don't know if you feel the same way, JR. Like, I mean, I have to go back and look at rosters of, of you know, my late 90s, early 2000s of players that I played with that I forgot that I even Did, played with them because I hadn't I, played. A- I was I was having breakfast with these couple guys the other day that be, before I played golf with them. I just met them. And uh, one of them said, uh, hey, I'm friends with one of your old teammates. And I said, who? And he said, Warren Reichel. And I'm like, Warren Reichel. I, I haven't heard that name since the like the nineties, right? We you, we call the tough guy, Warren Reichel, the tough yeah, guy. Yeah, yeah, the tough guy, Warren Reichel. I'm like, oh my God, I love and by the way, I haven't said his name in 25 years. And he said Warren Reichel. And I went, Bundy, I love Bundy. He was awesome. What a great teammate. But how the hell do I remember that we called Warren Reichel Bundy? It's amazing how shit comes back into your brain, especially a brain that works as shitty as mine with 13 concussions. Forget what I did last week. And I remember Warren Reichel was Bundy. Amazing teammate. It's it's true. But Rips, if you have a teammate, ever have a teammate that you didn't like? Yeah, like, a lot of them. Like, I don't want to fucking <laughs> – that doesn't surprise me with you, you curmudgeon. <laughs> one of the best teammates you're one of the best teammates i ever had you know why because you're fucking real and you just didn't give a shit and well listen played- man i mean jr we played we played in the in the greatest league in the world okay we played with um we played with players from all over the world different backgrounds different upbringings the whole shoot match and at the end of the day all i want from the guys that i play with is to have a common goal and that's team first mentality. Okay. And in the league, you, you know, that, that it was not that there's a lot Mm -hmm. of selfish guys. And those are the guys that, that I had a hard time with. So, um, you know, I remember, I I, I, I remember playing with Roman Czechmonic on Philly. And after the one year we got beat and he just quit, he just quit on the team and in the playoffs, he just didn't like the way it was going. He's just like, he just he quit, and I remember I remember going going into into my closing meetings and saying, "If this guy's on my fucking team next year, count me out. I have not playing in front of this guy ever again." In Roman Czechmonic, just he wanted to go he wanted to go back home and play in the World Championships with 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 Czech. I just it just I just remind me of shit like that, and I have no yeah. problem telling some telling somebody when I don't like them because guess what they do it with me too. So it's okay. That's right. Mm-hmm. Play with hundreds so anyway. of players over the years, hundreds, even thousands mm-hmm. of guys that come and go on, on a hockey team. And, uh, you know, you're not going to get along with every single one of them. No. Nope, and that's not. okay. At the end of the day, I'm still going to do impossible. what I have to do for that guy. It's impossible. Right? 
yeah. to get along with with everybody. It's impossible to like everybody on your team. But that's what and you know what's amazing is I have to imagine there's that scenario on the Colorado Avalanche last year, but they still go out and play for each other. Right? Yeah, but you know what you, you know what you love about every team is there's always one or two guys that everybody likes. <laughs> Everybody likes. It's not even a question. Like, that, you was can't even question it. that was Petey. That was on our team in Buffalo. Yeah, I don't think I so. I believe that. No, all I don't the, think so. All the boys love Petey. I look back and I think, fuck, I must have pissed off a lot of guys on my team, man. Because I, man, like if you're not <laughs> playing, you got, like if you're not playing and you're fucking miserable in the game, you got to find a way to make the game fun. <laughs> and I was miserable inside the game. I hated my role. Uh, I loved a vast majority of my teammates and would happily go out and fight for them any night of the week, but I'm sure I probably rubbed some guys the wrong way. I pissed, I, I pissed off more guys than you, PD. Trust me. <laughs> I, I pissed off a lot of people. Well, it's life. like, it's like take Ryan Miller, for example. Okay. Like we had him here the other night for his, uh, Buffalo sports hall of fame induction dinner. And five of the players of his former teammates that were in town, and one of them came in from out of town, uh, went to the went to the dinner, and um, he just we went out after, and he walks in, he goes back to his hotel to change, he comes back, and I just I just look at him and I go right at his throat, right? I'm like, oh, there he is, Mr. Burns from The Simpsons, you know, <laughs> just like this super skinny body. I used to call him that all the time. But the other one I called him was, and I sat right beside him. He was so skinny and pale. I called him Powder. You remember, you remember the movie? I remember the movie, Powder, yeah. And it's like, you know, I just look and I think, man, Millsy, like I would do that to him in the, in the, at the peak of a season and at the slums of a season. It just didn't change. And I can't imagine. And it all matters when you do it. It's all timing. Hey, right? We're watching Millsy, and I'm going to tell you, when we played with him, skinniest guy I've ever played with besides Polly Byron. Now that I think about it and uh, we're like watching Ryan Miller have his speech up on, you know, he, he got inducted into the, the Buffalo sports hall of fame and uh, had an awesome speech and everything. And the, for the, the whole time, the whole time, the only thing that was going through my mind as he was speaking was cheeseburger. <laughs> Eat one. <laughs> Just not one. He needs a whole shit bunch of cheeseburgers, man, and fries, and just get some grease in that body. Fatten that guy up, like holy jumping! It's like he's got to start eating. Worst That's body so of a guy you played with, Jr. I think Rivs told us his was uh, the goalie there in his last year, wasn't it? Wasn't it the goalie, Andy, Andy Moog? Moger? <laughs> so mine was a goalie too. Mine was a goalie too. Um, was uh. Millsy um, used to play for St. Louis. Uh, Greg Millen. Greg Millen. Greg Millen. Greg Millen. It's always the goaltenders back then because the goaltenders didn't want to work out, right? They always had the Pillsbury Doughboy body, right? So Greg Millen. But they could um, do the splits, so they were they were good. Yeah, it was. Yeah, they just had terrible, terrible bodies. Things have um, changed. Now those guys yeah, oh. are genetic freaks. They're all six they five. They're jacked. All six six packed. Six packed up. Yeah, just terrible bodies now. Terrible bodies back in the nineties. Oh man, that's a wrap on another episode of After the Whistle. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter After the Whistle. 
and at Craig Reve 52 at the instigator 76. And you can find us as you already know on Apple, Spotify and YouTube and anywhere else where you can get your podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to spread the word.